Uh, one of my daughters said, Dad, what do you mean you have to go tomorrow? I said, honey, I speak over an area. He said, Dad, well, I'm going to give this away. It's my birthday. I said, honey, you don't understand. This is a very special church. And uh, I love the pastor and his wife. And uh, it has become a tradition. I don't know how many years it's been. It's been a number. And some of you have heard it, but we got visitors here. First time they asked me, I, I said, okay, I'm going to help this pastor out. He wants to get away from these people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I showed up, and there he was in the front row. And I thought, what gives? I thought, I, was, I thought he was bailing on us, but he was here. But I've grown to love Jack and Pam and this church. Every time I see something from Erie or get a request from Erie, I just figure that's home. So I'm, I'm always over generous with that. So thanks. I know you're going to have a good day today. A uh, couple things. I'll be back in Erie on September 25th over at Hammett. I would love to tell you what's going on there, but all I know is I'm the speaker there. It's probably something where I'm speaking either on marriage, about how really weird women are, <laughs> and how strange men are, and how God had a great sense of humor when he said the two shall become one, or I'm talking about kids. And uh, my theme is we have seen the enemy and they are small. <laughs> and they're unionized. So whatever, they're having a big event there on September 25th, I'll be there. A couple other things. We do a cruise once a year. I hate to direct your eyes toward February, but February is coming. And if you'd like to be in the Caribbean with us, uh, you're welcome to join us. There's some brochures back there. And I think that's all. I, I forget more. I always going to tell people things and forget them. But anyway, for those of you who don't know, I live in Tucson, Arizona, and we summer here, and it's just, uh, I, I think, a great part of the country. People sometimes mock us out when you live up here in the Northeast with the rain and the weather and all that, but I find the people in the area delightful, and it's, it's just fun to be here. Our topic this morning is a birth order. Uh, Pastor Jack and staff suggested I talk about birth order. He said, we have a lot of young families in our church today, and, and many of you have probably never even thought about birth order. Uh, I authored the birth order book, uh, which is, uh, well, many trees have died in its honor. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> over one million copies, easy, sold. Uh, and I d I've done Oprah Winfrey many times in my life, and done every TV show there is. Well, before Oprah, there was a guy named Phil Donahue. And I'm so old, I did Phil Donahue. Okay? And back in those days, if you got on Donahue, that was a big deal, just to get on it. But to be on it for the whole program, that was reserved for stars and actresses and those kinds of people. Why would they want a chubby psychologist from Tucson, Arizona on there for the whole hour? But you know, professionally, wow, did that open up the doors in terms of birth order. But people love birth order. I share with Pastor Jack. If I go to New York and do one of those morning shows and we're talking about a new book, like we've got a book coming out in the fall called The Powerful Child, I will try to avoid birth order. Because if I talk about birth order, the host finds it so intriguing, they latch onto it and we don't talk what we're supposed to talk about. Now, just for fun, how many of you are only children? Only children. Okay. Now, Oh, here's an interesting question. Why are you an only child? <laughs> Need to mom and dad take one look and say, well, that's enough of those. <laughs> well, only children are, are in a class by themselves. 
What do these people have in common? Uh, President Obama, Tiger Woods, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton. Y'all remember Bill? <laughs> Takes a village to keep an eye on Bill. <laughs> Robert De Niro, uh, James Earl Jones, Tommy Lee Jones, Elvis Presley, Anthony Hopkins, Joe Montana, you football fans, Roger Staubach, T. Boone Pickens, Carl Icahn, Oprah, Harrison Ford, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, Jennifer Aniston, Cosby. Uh, what do those people have in common? They're their firstborn or only born children. They're our leaders of the pack. They're the starlets. You firstborns, where are you firstborn children in the family? You're at the top of the manure pile of your family. Where are you? <laughs> okay, you're the ones that were, you, you've heard things like this all your life. Listen, I don't care what she said. You understand me? I don't care what she did. You're the oldest. I expect more to you, young woman or young man. You got in trouble for what your kid sister did. And your parents practiced on the firstborn. You firstborns are the lab rat of the family. Years ago, when you were just a little urchin, there you are, age three, you know, you're the little firstborn, and you're out of the park, and you reach down and you pick up a foreign matter, <laughs> and you put it in your mouth, and like stupid kids, you swallow it. And your mother, a young mom, freaks out. Oh, oh, honey, oh, she swallowed that. Oh, call 911, take him to the doctor, swallow him out of his mouth. Six years later, third-born child reaches down in the same park, pitches up, picks up an old, dirty, filthy figure, a cigarette butt, complete with filter, <laughs> swallows it. Ladies, your husband says, don't worry about it. Good roughage, good roughage. <laughs> good for the colon, good for the colon. See, with the firstborn, you worry about everything. What they eat, what time they go to bed. By the time the fifthborn comes around or the fourthborn, you grab some food, you throw it on the floor, and yell, dinner's ready. <laughs> and so that, that accounts for some things about birth order, okay? The, the, the firstborns look up, and who are their models in life? Adults. Ditto with only children. In fact, you onlys are the triangle, okay? It's the inverted triangle, okay? Where when parents start to get older, then you, there's nobody in the bullpen to help out. You're it. So responsibility is a huge thing with only children and firstborn children. Firstborn children tend to be conscientious, reliable, list makers. They don't like surprises, okay? And uh, they're accountants, engineers, astronauts in outer space are the first 23 astronauts in outer space, 21 firstborn children. The other two were only children, not a middle or a baby in sight. Now. You have a youngest son. He says, Mommy, I want to be an astronaut. Uh, this would be a good time to take him over to Eaton Park or Park and Bark, whatever you call it, and show him what the fry cook does. Because statistically, that kid's not going to be in space. He might act like he's in space. He won't be in space. You're architects and you engineers. Some of you are probably in our audience. You couldn't write a sentence if we paid you because you'll block print it. That's how you do everything with block printing. So what is it about perfection? Perfection is slow suicide. 
I mean, I've talked in this church about perfectionism, given whole sermons on it. It's a destructive thing because, see, you can't measure up. You can't be good enough. I got news for you as a believer. The perfect one is Jesus Christ. Praise God, right? All others, all others pay cash. Okay? So God is worthy of our praise. People aren't. But what we tend to do is overreact. And these little firstborns, I mean, they're funny. Uh, I'm on Facebook. My kid said, hey, Dad, you got to be on Facebook. So I joined Facebook. I'm not sure if that was the right thing to do or not. I got like 28,000 people on one of my Facebook things. And I answer questions from people all over. I mean, the other night I'm sitting, 11 o'clock at night, I'm answering a question in the Czech Republic. Another one from Australia from people. But a lady wrote me something really cute. Her seven-year-old, they get yearbooks in the second grade, which is stupid. <laughs> but anyway, I won't go there either this morning. Uh, the kids apparently signed yearbooks. In this little firstborn, two kids, the mom said, signed outside of the line. The little firstborn erased the signatures, rewrote the kids' names within the boundaries. Now, there's your firstborn child, okay? Firstborns know exactly how life ought to be, okay? Now, firstborn sounds like they just have it made. Now, I grew up in a family of three. I had a sister who was perfect, okay? She's a pastor, children's pastor. <laughs> never got a B in her life, never, okay? This is a woman who puts newspaper under the cuckoo clock. <laughs> you got it? I'm speaking, I'm speaking over in Grand Rapids, Michigan at a Christian education conference, and I'm the keynote speaker. My sister, who's a very gifted person, written a couple of books herself, uh, is having breakfast with me at 9.05 in the morning. And she says to me, I'm youngest brother, she says, uh, what are you talking about this morning? I said, I don't know. She said, what do you mean you don't know? You're going to be speaking in 55 minutes to 6,000 people. I said, I know. She says, well, you must know what you're going to be speaking about. I said, no, I'll look at them and then I'll decide. She said, you are making my stomach turn. Just the thought of that made her stomach turn. Because if Sister Sally's talking, I'm telling you, it's scripted. A, B, C, D, E. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to tell you 10 minutes from now. I wish I did, but I don't know. And here's the other interesting thing. Do I care? <laughs> we prayed that God would guide us this morning as we shared about how different people are in God's kingdom. And we're all different. But we should on each other all the time. You should do this. You should be like your brother. You should be like your sister. Why? Identical twins have the same DNA. Okay? They're genetically the same person. When I found this out, it freaked me out. Because identical twins have different fingerprints. Why would Almighty God give identical twins different fingerprints? To help the FBI. <laughs> or is this God's way of saying, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are what? You are different from everyone else. You can be who you are. You say, well, Lehman, you don't understand me because I fall short. I do this, I do that. I don't care. God loves you anyway. Romans uh, 8.39. Nothing. It's a cool verse. Nothing separates you from the love of Christ. He loves you despite your stupidity. Look at our children. 
I mean, go over to the mall. Go over to the mall. That's a huge mall over there. Just sit there for 10 minutes. Watch children. You will know why some mothers eat their young. <laughs> but we love them anyway, okay? They're kids. They're stupid. They're dumb as mud. Oh, some kid's going to be offended by that. Call your attorney. Go ahead. Could care less. Um, so, but I, I was always enamored with this stuff because, again, I, I grew up in that family of three. And again, my sister never got to be in anything. Honor society, captain of the cheerleaders in school. I mean, and, and she was always the one when she took a test, I can still remember her freaking out. Oh, I flunked it. I know I flunked it. Uh huh. They were giving out the papers. Start at the top. Very nice job, Sally. Straight A's. Always. And yet she worried. Some of you are like that. You do very well, but you worry about everything. You always want to know what's coming. Okay? You don't like the curveballs of life. You want the fastballs down the middle of the plate. I got news for you. Life isn't like that. Then I had a brother, Jack, John Jr., who was the second born. Now, three kids in the family. Is he a middle child? See, he could be, but he's not. He's more like a firstborn son. Very accomplished clinical psychologist, did well in school, quarterback of the football team, voted best looking, all those stupid things they did back in those days. And then there was me. <laughs> I graduated fourth in the bottom of my class in high school. I beat three guys out. <laughs> and they were in woodshop. They made the same bookcase every year, I swear. I've told this story so many times, but one of my vivid memories of youth is sitting in, in uh, reading group. And I, I grew up in politically incorrect America. They didn't care. I'm telling you about your feelings. We had the red birds, the blue birds, the yellow birds. I was a crow. <laughs> I couldn't get in the University of, uh, University of uh, Buffalo Night School. I couldn't get in Erie County Technical Institute. I got in one school in Chicago on probation. And uh, I won't even go, that's too long to tell you. But baby of the family, social. Where's the babies here? Amen. <laughs> you know, we've asked every group to put their hand up. <laughs> Only one group had to have a little amen. <laughs> little brats. <laughs> we ought to give them applause for finding the church, you know that? <laughs> Babies of the family, a manipulative, social, outgoing, never met a stranger, never met a stranger. When my son Kevin, my son Kevin is the executive producer and um, head writer at the Ellen Show, Ellen DeGeneres Show, and makes her funny. And when he graduated from uh, school down in Florida, uh, he said, hey, Dad, you know what would really be cool to go up to uh, Disney? I said, okay, let's go. We're free. Let's go to Disney. I walk in there. If you've ever gone down there, how many of you have been down there to Florida? You know, because there's huge signs up there. Everything's huge at Disney. And they had this thing called an island hopper. Okay. You know what an island hopper is? 180 bucks a piece. I got nine people with me. Now, I'm not real bright in math, but I did sort of a general, I go, wait a minute, this is more than chump change. This is nine times 180 bucks. So I looked to my left. And I see a thing that says media relations. I go, whoa, media relations, that's me. So I looked at my wife, Mrs. Uppington, the firstborn. 
Okay? I said, honey, she said, leave me. Don't even go there. No, no, just get the money out. I know what you're thinking. No, I said, just give me five minutes. Just five minutes is all I need, five minutes. So I go over media relations. I walk up. I have a WKBW Channel 7 shirt on. Proof of the living God. I'm greeted by a kid with the name of Daniel. And underneath it, he has his hometown. Buffalo, New York. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so I start talking to this kid, okay? And I said, hey, listen, I'm Kevin Lehman. I wonder if you give me a couple of compasses, because actually, because I'm in the media, I can get two compasses, okay? And he gives me the standard, well, sir, that has to be approved three weeks ahead. You have to fax your credentials, blah, blah. I know all that. So anyway, I just start entertaining him, and the boss comes in, the guy with the earpiece, you know, and big telephone thing on his hip, and I go, oh, everybody been there, best behavior, here comes the boss. And before long, the three other tellers and the boss is listening to every word I say. Now, I'm going to shorten this because of time. But finally, the, guy, the kid looks up at me and then looks at his boss, and the boss says, it's okay. So he gives me four free $180 passes to Disney, okay? Now, I'm about to share with you the greatest moment in 45 years of marriage in a row to the same woman. Because he gave me the four tickets and I said, hey, listen, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. But do you see that tall five foot nine inch blonde lady over there who looks very angry with her arms crossed? That is Mrs. Uppington, my bride. And actually, I have nine people with me. And the guy looks at me like, hey, fella, we just gave you four free tickets to Disney. And he looks up at his boss, and this is a quote. Thank you, Lord. The guy says, help the doctor out. He gives me five more tickets. I have nine tickets times 180 in my back pocket. Now, this is the joy of it all. I come back looking rather sheepish. And she says, well, okay, Mr. Big Time, where's the tickets? The joint, 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 joint down there. Down in my heart, down in my heart, I got the joy, joy. As I reach down in my back pocket, I go, fan them, all nine of them. It was wonderful. I'm telling you, that's, that's the baby of the family skill. There are babies in this room who earn a living with sales. They don't even realize where that ability, that natural ability comes from. It comes from being the youngest in the family. When you're the youngest in the family, you have to know how to get along over around those older siblings, okay? Billy Crystal, Eddie Murphy, Jim Carrey, Martin Short, Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, Ellen DeGeneres, Whoopi Goldberg, Stephen Colbert, Jonathan Stewart, um, Steve Carell from The Office, all babies of the family. Is it coincidence these little schnookies are the way they are? I call them schnookies. But see, th this is what's interesting about how God created us. Yes, he gave us families. And you look at the firstborn, okay? They're the Judge Judys of the, the group. We call our firstborn daughter Holly. She's a principal, English teacher, Grove City graduate, college down the road here. If you get in Grove City, you've got a good brain in your head. That's a tough school to get into. And, uh, you know, you look at these little cubs. They all come out of the same den. And it's interesting because, you know, when you look at God's Word, it's interesting. Let me just share a couple of scriptures with you. Genesis 25, 27. As the boys grew, Esau became a skillful hunter, while Jacob was a quiet sort who liked to stay at home. Do you see the differences? 
I mean, the original title in the birth order book, when it was bound in, you know, rubber bands and cardboard and sent to the publisher, the original title was Abel Had It Coming. The publisher said, you can't have a title like that. I said, why not? It's got a nice little family flavor to it. But if you look at the family that you grew up in, parent, or the, the one that you're the parent of today, look at your kids. The firstborn goes this way, the secondborn goes this way. They're different. Well, what do we do in families? Do we treat kids the same? Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, most people would flunk that quiz if I gave them a quiz on what does that scripture mean. Train up, number one. Most of us train down kids, okay? We talk down to them. We don't train them up. In the way they should go doesn't mean the way you think he should go, parent. That's a curveball for most parents. It speaks of the individual bent that, that, that God put in each of us as children. I always sit in the airplane, I always sit in the front seat in the airplane, always on the aisle. I watch people, I'm a people watcher, I love to watch people. I just, and you, person after person, airplane after airplane, everybody looks different. How did God pull that off? He's God. And we're different. And yet we are bodies in the community of Christ Jesus. That's why we need each other. By the way, I never did tell you how much I dislike Barbara Streisand, did I? I don't like the woman, tell you the truth. I should like her. I should love her. I should pray for her. I don't do any of those things, tell you the truth. It's one of my downfalls. But she sang a song once called People. Remember that song, People? People who need people are what? The luckiest people in the world. And see, in the Christian community, we need each other. We don't need to be ripping on each other. And I'm telling you, we do a pretty good job of it. We beat people up pretty good, don't we? And so this whole thing of the fact that God is God, he made all of us as different, ought to give us refuge. It's interesting, in marriages, I mean, I'm the baby of the family. There's certain marriages that are better than the other based upon your birth order. Now, Mrs. Uppington, God bless her, she's the firstborn. She knows exactly what I ought to wear, what I ought to eat. She loves to tell me what to do, okay? And uh, my fear is someday I'm going to be stiff as a board in a coffin, and she's going to be peering over me saying, Kevin Lehman, you are not wearing that. But she knows exactly how I ought to be, exactly how I ought to be. This is a little off the wall, but how do I say this? I, I want her to come to bed. Now, we're very, very different people. I get up early in the morning, and she doesn't. What do you mean as if God gave me a woman who went to bed at 10 o'clock like I do, frisky as a blue jay in spring? I ask you. That would be ideal. Show you God had a great sense of humor. He gave me a raccoon. The woman, the woman's nocturnal. And uh, so it's 10 o'clock at bed. I want her to come, I don't know another way. I want her to come to bed with me. So I go, hey, so I bell out my mating call, which is auga, auga. <laughs> when you coming to bed, woman? And this is a quote from her. I'll never forget this as long as I live. I can't come to bed right now. My, my checkbook won't balance. I'm 25 cents off. It's driving me crazy. I said, what? My checkbook it won't balance. It's 25 cents off. I'll give you a quarter. Come to bed. Come here. <laughs> now, we got, we got two people in marriage who see life completely different. Now, when Mrs. Uppington hit the, hit the, uh, the speed limit, I took, she, again, she likes, she's a five-forker. She likes restaurants with five forks. She likes restaurants that have four forks. I'm a one-forker. I grew up in Buffalo, okay? One-forker, it's plastic. You know, Tim Hortons is fine dining. Do you see what I'm saying? 
we have a difference. But I take her to this really nice place to celebrate her, her uh, birthday. And uh, afterward, we're driving home, and she says, honey, she says, you know, I know you don't love those places, but I got to tell you, I just loved it. I love the presentation. I never said I love the presentation on food. The food was exquisite. I've never said that either. Anyway, she's happy. I'm happy. We're driving home, and we pull up in front of our house. It's completely pitch dark, and, and uh, I go around, open the door for her, and again, she reiterates what a great night she had. And... Uh, she puts her arm inside my arm as we're walking up the sidewalk, and, I'll, and she says, Honey, she said, You know, again, I'm just loved tonight, but, but I'm totally exhausted. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you know what that means. But that's the least of my problems because I'm walking up, and all of a sudden the lights get thrown on in the house, the door swings open, and three dozen couples yell, Surprise. And she puts her hands over her face and starts to cry. And then the true champion that she is, she feigned that those were tears of joy. <laughs> I paid for that one for about three years, as I recall. <laughs> now, see, baby the family, babies love surprises. Okay? Now, I'm telling you, I've written 43 books. I can think like a woman, which is embarrassing to say, okay? <laughs> In fact, I'm feeling a little crampy. <laughs> um, I digress. But see, in my mind, nothing better than a surprise party. But even though you have that head knowledge, you've got to have the heart knowledge. I wrote this little book, The Way of the Wise. I wrote it in 59 days. And the publisher said, Lehman, this one must be in your heart. Well, it was. My mother, I'm not going to give you my whole story, but I had no use for God in my life, none rejected what I was taught as a kid. My mother was the rock of our family. She loved Jesus. She prayed for this guy every day of her life. And in my Bible, she wrote these words, Proverbs 3, 1 through 6. Do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of the God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. That's great scripture. Well, back to the 59 days. This was an easy one to write for me. I found an old Bible that I retired in 1987. And uh, I, I can never throw in a Bible. I just put it in a bookcase. And I was moving some books. I, I noticed it was one of my... Uh, old Bibles, and I, I looked at it, and sure enough, she had written in that Bible too. I didn't realize that, but the same scripture. But see, King Solomon, uh, this, is, this is very personal. He says, son, write these on the tablet of your heart, okay? And everybody in this room has something written on your heart. The question is, what's written on your heart? Whatever's written on your heart is going to dictate your future, quite frankly. I've got chapters in this book like, Jesus ain't the big bad wolf. He doesn't huff and puff and blow your door down. I even got the story of the three little pigs in here. Remember that one? The first little porker, you know, he builds his uh, house out of straw. And you know what happened to him? Pork tenderloin. The big bad wolf got him. The next little guy, he added some mud to the straw or something. And there's different versions, by the way, the book I found out. And he ends up being a pork job. 
And that third little pig, who was a smart one, he built his house out of bricks. And remember that song we sang as kids? The wise man built his house upon the what? The rock, not the sand. So does Jesus come and huff and puff and blow your door down? No. He says, here I am. You can accept me or you can reject me. Simple as that. You want to be one of my own? Come on in. My mom put a wall hanging on my door that I hated as a kid. Not my door, my bedroom. And it was Jesus knocking at the door. I never realized as an adult something weird about the picture. There's no doorknob on the outside. Meaning it has to be opened on the inside. And isn't that true of life? Wow. Uh, my mom, God bless her, she, she lived to be 95 years old, so she saw, she saw some things in her, in her husband's life. You know, we're going to take the offertory in just a few moments. I've got a chapter in this book that speaks to that. Attention Walmart shoppers, Jesus has left the building. There's one thing I know about Christian people. They are very, very generous and very, very cheap. They come in two different types, it seems to me. And there's a story in here about uh, the hotline, a butterball turkey. You know, butterball turkeys are great turkeys. And, it, and they have this hotline. If you're new at fixing turkeys, you can call and ask questions. And a woman called in and said, hey, I got a question for you. My turkey's been frozen for nine years. Is it safe to eat? The lady said, I don't know. I have to check with the supervisor. She comes back and says, well, if it's been frozen nine years, it actually is safe to eat. But just between you and me, I wouldn't take a chance. She said, you know what? I think I'll donate it to the church. And that's, you know, I got news for you. That's not what God's word says. I don't want your crumb. I want it off the top. And he's either God or he isn't God. You think about it, his birth was predicted 700 years before it happened. A thousand years before it was said, the words of Jesus are recorded. The same words he used on the cross. A thousand years before, is God who he says he is? He's God. I'm telling you. Here you are, a little dot. And yet the scripture shows he knows the hairs on your head. He knows when the sparrow falls. That's the God we worship today and sing his praises. My favorite chapter in this book, by the way. And, and the reason it's a favorite, I'm not trying to point fingers at other people. I'm looking at myself. I'm dumb as mud. I'm dumb as those stupid disciples. They didn't get it. They saw Jesus perform miracles before their very eyes, and yet they blew it. In John 14, he says, all right, listen up, guys. I'm out of here. Thomas gets right in the axe and says, Lord, we don't fog you said, Eagle, we're going. Then Philip gets in the axe and says, Yeah, yeah, show us the Father and then we'll know. Well, these people walked and talked with Jesus, saw him perform all kinds of miracles, and they fell short. So when you fall short someday, remind yourself you're in good company with the people who walked and talked with Jesus. But here's my favorite title of them all You're the potter, I'm the clay, but I do have a few suggestions. Isn't that just like us? To give suggestions to our Creator? <laughs> I got news for you. He doesn't need our suggestions. He knows what it's going to be. He knows the ending. I've, I've been in several Bible studies about the book of Revelation. I still don't get it. But I know the final score. And I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. You know, Jesus always... Uh, the Lord always uses people, just people, to uh, do his work. Simple people. To do extraordinary things. I wouldn't be here today. Uh, when I, I got thrown out of college, I didn't tell you that part. 
And I got a job as a janitor. I met my wife in a men's room of a hospital, believe it or not. I was swabbing a floor. And she came in. I said something stupid to her. I fell in love with her. Four months later, she pops the question. She, she does. She, she asked me if I want to go to church with her. And I remember thinking, oh, crap, she's one of them. That's the reason she's so sweet and nice. Well, she didn't beat me over the head. She didn't say, here are the four spiritual laws. And she invited me to church. It was bad enough going to her church. I didn't like going to her church. She's a Baptist. Still showers with a bathrobe on, by the way. Too many rules in that church. Uh, but then she wanted me to come back at night. Why would you go back at night? You've already been there in the morning. But that was the night my life did a 180. That preacher was talking about the guy who knew Jesus Christ was in his head, but not in his heart. That was me. See, I'd ask you this morning, friend, what's written on your heart? If we had open heart surgery on you this morning, what would we find there? John Wooden, the great basketball coach at UCLA, won many national championships. Uh, this little scripture in Proverbs says, to be held in high honor by man and God. John Wooden was one of those guys. He was a believer. But you know something? He never told his basketball team to go out and win. Isn't that interesting? He never told them to win. But he told them to go out and play the game of basketball the way it needs to be played. And I would tell you this morning, friend, you need to play the game of life the way it needs to be played. By the way, if you uh, visit the uh, book table and you get a book, my little blessing for you today is a DVD uh, called Straight Talk on Parenting. It's me talking about parenting. So if you buy a book, I'm going to give that to you absolutely freebie, the $20 DVD if you're interested. But anyway, um, we're about out of time. So let me just say again that I appreciate being here. I never take this lightly. I love your pastor and his wife and this family, and I look out here now and I see so many young families. I'm encouraged by that. Help spread the word about this good church. You know, you have to scrub up to come here. Just come as you are. They'll love you as you are. You'll see there's people in here from different nationalities, different racial backgrounds. We come together. We are united in Christ Jesus. It's great. You're going to have a fun day today. I think Pastor Don Church is going to work for you. And uh, we'll go from there. Some of you I'll see in September. And uh, good Lord willing, who knows, the tradition, the tradition might continue uh, next year as well. In the meantime, God bless each of you, and thanks for being with us this morning.